Hi, everyone. It's Shenda Wall. And in this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Joshua Lee Washington to talk all about mission-critical conversations. You know, the conversations that we know we need to have or are avoiding, the conversations that we might be nervous or afraid to have, the conversations that are vital to the trust that we have, to our ability to be successful. That's what's in store for you today. Let me tell you a little bit more about Joshua. Joshua Lee Washington is an expert organizational psychologist and human behavior specialist who coaches and trains executive leaders on his proprietary system called the Mission Critical Performance Method. This comprehensive framework has a track record of transforming leadership and employee performance with strategies that help you maximize the value of your team's potential. On a personal note, Joshua is based in Orlando, Florida with his beautiful wife and son. I hope you enjoy our conversation on how to have mission critical conversations. Hello, hello, Joshua Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited for our conversation, talking about mission-critical conversations. Mission-critical conversations, which I think are conversations that obviously can have high impact. They're conversations that might be high urgency, but that's what's in store today. But Joshua, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on The Leadership Habit. We are so happy to have you. How are you doing today? Well, Jen, thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be here and, and be with you. You are a fun person to do this with. So it's going to be an exciting time. No, I'm excited too. Well, Joshua, you and I have gotten to know each other a little bit more with the pre-call. And I know a little bit more about you and what you do. But would you go ahead and just, I like to start off every episode by just doing a little introduction to our audience so they can become more familiar with who you are and what you do. Joshua, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. Well, officially, my my title is an organizational psychologist, which simply means nobody has any clue what I do for a living. Usually, (laughs) that's that's usually that's just a fancy title that makes people go, "Huh? That's nice. What is that?" Uh, But essentially, my world is in performance. I love uh, I love people. Therefore, I love behavior, and behavior is one of the biggest drivers of performance. And so, throughout my time, I worked about almost a decade in, in healthcare. Uh, working in the corporate industry there. And during my time there and doing a lot of coaching and executive coaching and coaching doctors, I came up with a proprietary system called the Mission Critical Performance Method. Um, And that's really what I focus my day in and day out on, teaching people how to use those three key drivers of connection, conversations, and cultivation to really drive performance in the business. I love it. I mean, connections, obviously, is so much more important, something that we need to keep talking about that really wasn't on the forefront of many people's leadership, I guess, development journey when they maybe started their career. But of course, the conversations. I mean, we're going to be talking about that today because there are so many conversations that need to be had at work. And for whatever reason, they're not having them. But then also the people, I mean, the cultivations aspect, that talent management, knowing that so many people are struggling with keeping the right talent, finding the right talent. So all of those three factors, I can see how incredibly important they are. But we get to only drill down. So if you want to know more about the other three, today we're going to focus on one of them, one of the methods from the mission critical performance method, which is conversations. And it's how to have 
these mission-critical conversations. Joshua, from your perspective in the work that you do with your clients, tell me about the problem with communication and conversations in today's workplace. What do you see from your end? Well, it's interesting. I, I recently read a quote that said, throughout our lifetime, we all will have written and communicated millions of words. Therefore, that means all of us had to some level have an expertise in communication. But it's often the area in business that you see avoided the most. So when I'm working with clients, most of the time we're working on what is the mission, right? And then what are those key conversations, which performance conversation is not a one-time annual event or bi-monthly event. It's an everyday event. And so we really break down what are those conversations that need to happen within your teams, within your, your interpersonal relationships within the workplace that really keep everyone focused and driven on whatever your mission is as an organization. The everyday, what are some common ones that you notice people maybe do wrong? I know you just mentioned to the performance reviews that they treat it as a one and done. Where do you think people are maybe not communicating as well as they could be? Or where do you think people are not having, or what kind of conversations are people not having? Oh, that is a great question. I will say the first one that if I had to bet my, my, my dollar on is conflict. That's the one that gets avoided the most. Whenever I'm, I'm doing a keynote, I tell people conflict is like that banana that sits on the, the top of your, your counter. And the longer you leave it, the browner it gets. And then one day you look up and you're like, that's disgusting, right? Like that's what happens with conflict. We, we think that we are addressing the conflict by avoiding it because that will you know, avoid the uncomfortable feelings of addressing conflict and the, un, you know, the discomfort of having to potentially, you know, deal with some, some things that are not pleasant. But all that happens if you take that route is you end up just amplifying it. And so that's usually what I focus on. I was just doing a coaching call yesterday, actually. And we have this, this instance where there's two people within a workplace who have conflict and their conflict is really driving the culture of the workplace. And it's also impacting the productivity and performance. So those two areas, I would say, are or that one area, conflict, is probably the one that's the most. Um, and then the second one is I found on the individual level, people really oftentimes are afraid to speak up. That confidence in being able to speak up during maybe it's a critical meeting that discusses a critical agenda item. And you will have people in the room, in the room, Jen, who have brilliant ideas and they're buried under fear because that person does not want to speak up or they don't think their voice will be valued. So that's another critical conversation, right? Making sure that your people know their input and contribution is valued. So you as a leader don't miss out on any of, any of those gems that will drive your business forward. I love that. Talking about, in the words of one of my colleagues, he always describes it as most people have a certificate in conflict avoidance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We went through our own school of mastering that. It is hard, but I like your, how you describe it as that banana that gets old. And then all of a sudden you're like, that is dead. No more. You know, we can make banana bread, but we got to act now before that actually has the flies coming around because so many of us don't pay attention to the cost of conflict. So with your example that you shared yesterday, you talked about the impact that these two individuals are having on the productivity of the team. Like what are you, like, I guess what would be the urgency you would create, what's the impact that you're seeing that they're having at that organization? Well, let's keep going with the banana analogy, right? You know, let's, let's, let's keep flowing with that one. So the banana is your environment. 
it's not even really the, the conflict. It's, it's your environment. What happens is the environment begins to suffer. And I love what you said, Jen. That's when the flies begin to come. And the flies can be like the gossip that starts to take place where people are not focused on their work. People are coming in with low energy because the energy of the environment is sucking all, all of theirs out. And so that's really one of the things. I think the biggest impact, though, is that trust is lost. When you don't address conflict, you risk trust. And the greater you know the risk is, the more susceptible you are to relationship termination. And there are people in workplaces right now that they don't look at each other, they don't talk to each other, they avoid each other. It's because that relationship has been terminated. And nothing kills a culture, nothing kills a work environment faster than when relationships are being terminated just because there was unresolved conflict. And so let me give you this real quick. The spectrum is you want to live in the proactive zone of, of conflict, right? There's proactive, there's resolution, and then there's termination. Most people wait until they get into the resolution you know, phase of that spectrum to start thinking, hey, we might address this, or they wait to the relationship termination. But I always encourage, let's work on it when it's proactive, when it's green and, and it's ripe and we can get to it before it becomes a major issue. I like that perspective of how can you actually be proactive? I get it. Conflict can be messy. There are emotions involved. You might have to favor in an area where someone might not agree with. But if you're not proactive and you wait to that resolution because you're uncomfortable, you're likely closer to that termination. I like that perspective of the proactive resolution and the termination because so I'm guessing quiet quitting is right there with termination. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, quiet and loud all the same. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> like, where we're not there. And sometimes at resolution, I know I think I've been there with feeling like this has been a challenge. No one has been addressing it. Now that it's become a bigger issue, we're finally going to care. And at this point, do I even think you're really going to follow through? I think that is when I, in an effort of self-preservation, do start to pull back and terminate. Maybe that's my own quiet quitting or loud quitting. So if you simply define, you know, and I think you might have done this earlier, what are mission critical conversations? It's conflict conversations. It's everyday conversations. What do you mean by mission critical? Well, it's the conversations that have the biggest impact on your mission. So as an organization, uh, it's all often it's all about the productivity, performance and the well-being of your people. Now, those three areas all share a common mission. And so I think When we get into, when I work with a team, first off, we focus on defining just what you asked. What is the mission here? And it it still shocks me to this day how many organizations aren't intentional about identifying what their mission is. And I'm not talking about some, you know, charge or, or inspirational call on the wall. No, I'm talking about what are the objectives that we are trying to reach? What are the key results that will drive these objectives forward. And then from those key results, what are the conversations that need to be had and had continuously? Because communication is the driver of productivity, is the the, the main driver of performance. Yeah. Why do you think people aren't having those conversations? Because I see it all the time. Like I've experienced it as a, you know, a newer employee being like, why am I doing this? Why does this matter? Why do you think people aren't having those conversations or aren't familiar with the mission? That is that is a fantastic question. They're not having those conversations because our, unfortunately, our outlook on performance, productivity, conversations even, is that, hey, I told you once, you know, it's that idea of I'm paying you, come to work, do the job and be happy, right? 
If only the money was the thing that kept employees happy, but it's usually not. And the same thing is with our conversations. If only you could tell your children something one time and they listen, right? Your children have the most to lose with you and they don't listen the first time you say it. So imagine your employees. They're not listening the first time, the second time, the third time. There's been research that actually found that you have to go eight to 10 powers deep in order to get a, a, a piece of communication to actually resonate. So to your question, why aren't people having these conversations? I found it's a lack of equipping and confidence. And so that's why we created the micro um, conversation framework to help people have a plan when they're going into these conversations, to know how, you know, step by step, how to have a critical conversation and how to do it confidently, knowing that you have a framework that will get everyone to the goal. I love it. And I want to dive into that in a second. And before I go into the micro framework, I think it is important to, you emphasized, I told you once, so many people, I think, feel like I have said the communication, don't necessarily know if I did it well, but I've said it one time. And so I am done. I am excused. I don't have the responsibility for this. And I have to say this because I just got done teaching a class on the focus zone for Crosscom. So we talked all about how to drop into focus. And one of the biggest pieces are distractions. Yep. We are all so distracted all the time. So best of luck. More now than ever. Stick. Yeah. I mean, we even I'm sure during this podcast, we probably got like, you know, a notification on our phone, like someone moving around in the background or a dog. Like I have my dogs here. We are more distracted than we've ever been. And I told you once is no longer going to work. You can't compete against technology. We have way too many distractions in today's workplace, unless you have a plan. That's what we talked about in today's class. But distractions are there. So we can't, I, I, I say that to emphasize because you can't take it so personal. Because I think sometimes going back to conflict, that conflict's created because we take it personal. Why weren't you listening to me? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you hear this? And there's much more noise that's created. There's the cultural noise of like urgency, do it fast. Yeah. Well, I might've missed that. So I'm not sure if you have anything to add on that. I know I went on a tangent. No, I, I, no, I think that is that, that tangent is appropriate because it is, they did a study recently and you know, millennials have kind of taken over the workforce. And what they found is that today's workforce, what they're looking for out of anything else, not it's not money, it's not time off, they're looking for connectedness. You tell a leader that, an executive leader, because I've done it, that that's what their people are looking for. And it almost gives them hives because they're like, what do I even start with that? Like, I can't even connect with my spouse at home. <laughs> How am I supposed to connect with my, my people at work? And it's those micro conversations. It's knowing that it's not about telling people once. It's about acknowledging that not only are there distractions, people have their own lives. They have their own fears, their own anxieties. Think about the mental health. Uh, crises that we're all operating under. Since COVID, there's a lot going on up here. And sometimes if you can just be intentional about your conversation, you can actually pull your people into something more engaging, more inspiring, more fulfilling, and they can really root themselves in your organization into a sense of belonging and value. And then they'll run through a wall for you. And that all, all starts right. with a conversation. So let's let's lay it out because we're going to get into the micro network now. So how do you describe like what is my, what are micro conversations? And if I if we slap a definition on it, what are they? Well, micro conversations are the the little uh, conversations, the, the micro conversations that take place in the overall scope of performance. And so micro is really just an acronym for the framework. 
So I'll, I'll run you through it real quick. The M stands for mood. The I stands for intention. The C stands for challenge. The R stands for results. And then the O stands for opinions or opportunities. Ooh. And so I, what, what it is, is, is training people and coaching people how to go into these critical conversations and have a plan. And I'll, just for example, mood. Like you may not want to have a critical conversation right before lunch. Because the, the chances, the percentage of that conversation being successful, depending on what it is, is low. Why? Because that's the time where our energy is really driven towards hunger. And that's when we, yep, the, the term hangry is there for a reason, right? But even deeper than just your, your mood or your, your, your hunger for lunch, just the environment. There's certain moods within the, the overall ecosystem of a business, right? There's certain times of years, there's certain times of the year, I'm sorry, that you don't want to have certain conversations. Because it's not appropriate. So it's knowing time and place. We start with mood, just to give you an example of how we'd walk that framework out. No, oh, I love that. Because I can think of mood just paying attention. That's emotional intelligence. It's your social awareness. What else is going on right now that might impact the ability for this conversation to go well, to last, or have the intended impact? And I think it requires us to, again, really start to think about who is my audience, not just what do I have to say? Right. And then look at the personal part. We all we also work on the, the that move from a personal perspective. When you're going to a conversation, your emotions are high. Oftentimes, all intelligence is going to be low, both the IQ and the EQ. Both are low when your emotions are high. So for our mood, we need to see, are we in a sober state where our mind is clear or we're not going into this mood feeling defensive or offended or angry or upset because you're going to lower the percentage of you executing a successful conversation. So that that mood even goes down to your own personal level. Yes. I see that yesterday I had a conversation with someone that today they will be having a conversation with someone to maybe, not to maybe, to develop this individual. In the past, the relationship between them has been tense. There's a little bit of a, I feel like because I have to do this, you know, I'm frustrated that I have to have this conversation and develop them. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was the big piece yesterday was talking about, well, what's your mindset going into it? Because if you look at it as like, it's me versus you, you're never going to have a productive conversation from the jump just because your energy or your mood isn't managed. There's no way forward if that's your attitude towards it. Hi everyone, it's Jen, and I'm just coming to you because we need your help. Presscom International, the organization that hosts the Leadership Habit podcast that I proudly work for, is looking to expand their network of people that are committed to creating more ethical, engaging, and human leaders. Now, how is that relevant to you? Well, we're looking for referrals. Do you know someone that is interested in giving back and being an entrepreneur and owning their own business? that wants to make a difference and is passionate about leadership development? Well, I'm excited to share with you that Crestcom has just launched a referral program. If you know someone, maybe it's a past mentor or a boss that's interested in making a career change and wanting to leverage the knowledge and their experience in the classroom, send them our way. We have this new program and here's the scoop. We've designed an easy to use referral form available on crestcom.com forward slash referrals. And you can visit the site submit your referrals, and access all of the rules along with required terms and conditions. Here's the sweet spot of this. If you refer a successful candidate, we'll give you $2,500. 
Now we want to expand and make our mission even greater, but we can't do that without your help. So if you know someone that would be interested in becoming a franchisee for an amazing leadership development organization that wants to get into the classroom and make a difference, head on over to crestcom.com forward slash referrals today and help us impact your workplaces and the leaders that you work with. Here's the only caveat. Please note that this program is currently open to applicants based in the United States only. What are some of your, do you have any great questions that you ask people to help to assess the mood or to like reflect on like, how am I feeling right now? Am I hungry going to the physiological? Cause I know I get hungry. Um, what type of questions might you prompt someone to ask themselves to determine the mood? Good question. Well, usually if I'm working with someone or a team, we start with that personality makeup, the, the personality profile, the behavior profile, your strength sets, because that really I call it the KTS is one of my commandments, know thyself. And so it's really boils down when it comes to your mood. I'll speak for myself, for instance. I'm more of a direct behavior. Like I, I like to be straight to the point. If you send me a long email, I better have some bullet points in it or I may not read it. You know, like that's my that's my style of, of communication. And so I know if I'm going into a conversation, I need to check my mood by first re- recognizing who am I speaking with? What might their personality or their behavior style be? Is it compatible? Are there things I need to look out for? Is there things going on in this person's life or in our past experience? Like you just mentioned that example that might have some, some what do we call it? Maybe some tension in the room. And so when it comes to those moods, it's really just being intentional about just thinking about it. I wouldn't even say there's certain questions. It's just sitting down and thinking, okay, what are my feelings in regards to this conversation? Are those sober feelings? Am I, am I, and I give them a list of feelings, right? I'd say these are feelings that are green light, right? These are feelings that are red light. These are some that are in the middle, that yellow. Which ones am I feeling right now? Am I feeling more of the green feelings? Because if I'm in the green and I know I'm ready, I'm sober mind, I can have this conversation. If I'm more in the red, then I need to have a bi-directional conversation with a friend, a colleague, a mentor, kind of like this person did with you, Jen. And Flush some of that out so I can get to the green zone before I approach. I love so, that. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, just that like that litmus test, is that the right way? Like just to even assess, like, where are you? Are you in a red zone? Are you in the green zone? Are you in the yellow zone? And respond appropriately because we've likely all been in situations where we've had a conversation when our feelings were in the red light and mm-hmm. it likely did more to, I would say, terminate the relationship. Right. Going back to how you said that, then, you know, what we intended. So that's mood. And I love that because that's emotional intelligence. Tell me more about the intention piece. Well, they, play, they play right into each other because once you know your mood, once you get to a sober state, you can then assess what are my intentions with this conversation? Because if you approach a conversation, your mood's in the red, your intentions might be, I just want to stab this person at some point during this conversation. Like, <laughs> like that's that's my intention. My intention is to, or for a less of a dramatic uh, take, I want to say something that lets them finally know how I feel and sets them straight and sets all all of that is so ineffective and unproductive. What you want to do is you want to get to a sober place so that you can state what is the intention and how does this benefit both parties? If I'm coming to you, Jen, and I'm having a mission critical conversation, there's a benefit in this conversation for you as well. My job coming in to initiate it is to figure out what that is. And then as a part of my intention to state, hey, Jen, I just want you to know the 
the goal of this conversation and then you state the intention is to get this out of it, which I know is something that you really would love to see. And then this other thing over here that I think marries well with that. Now you're already getting the conversation off to a great start because there's there's a mutual intention and mutual kind of benefit in the conversation. I love that. It's the we. It's not the me. It's not your ego. It's not right. what you wish you could say. It's right. how do you collaborate effectively going forward to accomplish X or to partner together. I I mean, so, so much of this, the mood and intention, people need to take the time to think. You said that earlier. We have to slow down to think about these conversations, even if it's just a few minutes. Yes. So your C was the challenge. Yes. Tell me more. Because once you state the intention, now it's important to state what is the barrier. Now that I've stated what our mutual benefit is here, why we both should be invested into this mission-critical conversation, there has to be a reason why we're not there yet. And so I would say, like, hey, well, Jen, we both want this, but I feel like this particular thing is what's holding us back from getting that reward, that result, this particular, and always speak to the action, not the person. So it's not... Jen, you do this. And so we don't get that outcome. No, it's, hey, when this particular action or behavior happens, I feel like it prevents us from getting to this place. And I know your intentions are this, right? We're going back to intentions. But with these certain behaviors and actions, I feel like it doesn't help us accomplish that. And so that's where you bring up what the challenge is that's holding back either the relationship or holding back the progress or the productivity or the performance. That's the opportunity to address that. What are some of the common challenges that you see? Is it that maybe someone's not paying attention to their own mood or you talked about, you know, the actions? Maybe they're calling out more of the emotional opinions. What are some common challenges you experience or see in your work? One of the most common challenges I see is speaking to the person, making it something about the person instead of the action. Um, and oftentimes that sounds like, let me see if I can give you an example. Instead of saying, hey, this action or this behavior is what's causing some of the challenges. It's a hey, Eugen, you have this, you're, you have a bad attitude or you're being you know, lazy on this or you're late. Or, and, it, and what it does is it just brings defensiveness into the room. It brings this um, con- more of the conflict and we're at odds now. And it's more of a battle instead of a conversation. Yeah. Drop the you. Drop the you. No one likes to have that you. I mean, that's the instant trigger word for so many of us, especially in higher stakes conversations. To feel like it's me against you. We're at war. Now, I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So we have two more of your of your micro model. And the R stands for result. Yes. Tell me more. <laughs> well, the, the challenge and the result really go together. Because first, when you, and this we've broken this down tactically, like, Step by step, because once you mention, okay, here's the behavior or the action that that I'm seeing, that that's what the challenge is, the behavior or the action. The result is what that thing causes. So let's say, hey, John, this was said in a meeting last week. That was a challenge. This thing that was said, the result of it was that I left there feeling, I took a shot in my self-confidence. It really made me feel, you know, inadequate in my role. And this takes a level of maturity to really walk through this, to be able to say, okay, why didn't I like what that person said? What what did it cause in me? And so that's very different, Jen. Notice it's very different from you said that and it made me feel bad. Well, that doesn't tell anybody anything. But if you say, hey, when you said this, when this particular thing was said, this behavior was demonstrated, 
it left the result, me feeling this way. I kind of felt this way, sat at my desk and wasn't able to really focus for a little bit. And again, I know that's not your intention, but this is where it resulted. And that's how we get into that result portion of the walking through that at a micro framework. I like that you shared the result because I've also been on the receiving end of, hey, here's the challenge. Here's the result that this communication had on me. But the problem that I had is something that happened recently. It was that it was all about this is what you did, how what you caused in me, what you did. But then there was no resolution in terms of what could I have done differently in that moment outside of, you know, just personally catering to your needs and kind of throwing out the rest of the audience. Like that's how that might, that felt for me. I'm like, well, I appreciate you sharing this because I actually want to know that, but I didn't get anything that I could have done differently. Like, and then how, so I guess what I'm going for is like, are you supposed to offer out a solution at that point in time? Like, here's your action, your communication did this. Here's how I felt. Is there supposed to be a solution within that? Or is there not? Not yet. We still have one more letter left, remember? Okay. That, that's where this begins to come in. But to your point, I think you brought up a very good point. So there's a result, right? This action, this behavior caused this result in me. But there's two sides to this whole result conversation, this whole result portion of our conversation. Because there's also the result of what we initially stated our intention was. So what, we, what we're doing here is we're saying, okay, this happened and it's causing us to not get this intention that we both agree we want. We both want, I don't know, performance to increase by 5%. We both want engagement to increase. But because of things like this, it's causing that result to not come to flourishing. Does that make sense? So it's more so about, again, at this point of the conversation, we're keeping it focused on the items, not the people. Yeah. You're going to see when, that all this. And then we go into the O. Which is then when we're bringing it in? So at opinion? So so the O is like, okay, what do you think we should do about this to avoid these challenges and and those negative outcomes? And so now look at what we're doing. We're having a collaborative dialogue. We're not, I'm not telling you, hey, here's what you should do, Jen, so that I can feel better. No, each party should take responsibility because we all bring things to the conversation that can be unhealthy. So it's saying, hey, collaboratively, Jen, what can we do to avoid this from happening again? And so now we start to share opinions. We start to share, you know, kind of what the options, and actually options is the word, not opinions. I'm sorry, I I said that wrong. It's options. What are our options here? How can we, you know, go forward and avoid this from happening again? I love that, providing options. I mean, the example that I just shared was personal. I mean, I'm a, like, obviously I do speaking and there was, I got rave reviews from the client. And then I had one piece of feedback that said, because you did this, it made me feel this. And I, you know, said, thank you so much for telling me. Like I took responsibility for that. I could absolutely see how she would feel that way. I don't necessarily, I don't think everyone probably would have felt that way, but I can empathize for how they felt the challenge that I had is it was more teetering on you're the fault. Like, you know, it didn't come with a solution. And even now with that conversation, I'm not sure how I could avoid it again in the future without mm. maybe alienating someone else. And so I think that comes down to maybe even what's your perspective on how we sometimes have to make those decisions to realize that we can't please everyone. 
that sometimes it will actually be that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because I think that's a real challenge for leaders. Like we're going to get feedback all the time. People are going to be assessing our behaviors, but sometimes there are limits to what you can do. And that that is so true, Jen. I, when I, I spent a lot of time in my career coaching doctors on their communication and exam room with patients, and that was one of the biggest hurdles we had to get over. Because you, you have this framework, right? But there's still, not everybody's going to love you. And even with this framework that makes you, you know, higher, more effective, right? You have a higher effect, effectiveness in your communication delivery. There's still going to be people who, you know, you could give them the cure to cancer and they would still hate you. Okay. And the, the thing with that is, though, that's why having a framework or having something, an approach is so important. Because now you have a reference point. You have a rubric to be able to say, okay, I was, I was very intentional about this. My heart was in the right place. I gave this, you know, my best. I can live with the outcomes. Right. When we get into challenges is where we don't really have an approach. We don't really, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what's, there's no measurement. And when you don't have a, when you don't have a measuring system, you can't tell whether you're getting better or getting worse. You know, right. if I have a, a measuring system like micro or any other thing you can pick, it doesn't have to be micro. You can actually review that conversation and see where you might have had some misses. But if you don't have even an approach, it makes it very difficult to avoid the burnout, the, what I call the relational burnout that can sometimes be an effect from these conversations. Yeah, it, it's draining in so many right capacities. And and I share that because, again, mine was close. I try really hard. I'm a perfectionist. I want to please everyone. But then if I think about the solution in my instance, it would almost be doing an intake form for every member of the audience to get their preferences, have them put them on a name tag so that I could know them. Like there's not a way that I could have honestly avoided it. And so sometimes I think that acceptance piece, like, did you follow a framework? Did you have the process? Did you do that? And like giving yourself the grace to also be human, that there are things that are going to happen and you can only do so much. That's the word, grace. (laughs) That's the word. Grace is the word. And And that's really what a lot of this framework is built on because there's not enough of it in the workplace. There's not enough of it in society. We don't really practice giving each other grace anymore. Cancel culture has kind of really fed that beast to where it's all dog eat dog, eye for an eye. You better get it right the first time or I'm done with you. And we can't live in a society where as human beings, as flawed human beings, we don't practice giving each other grace. And the second part, Jen, is most people don't know themselves to that level in that audience. So how could we as as communicators, as speakers, that's not our job. Our job is to make sure we keep a heart, a sober heart of wanting to serve people and realizing that it's not about us. That conflict they have with you from whatever that happened, it may not even be about you. It's really generally most oftentimes about them. And so we don't carry that burden of, you know, woe is, you know, kind of like we're the victim. In that case, that's a great opportunity to become the servant. And say, you know what, this isn't even about me, but I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to give you grace. I'm still going to apologize, even though I don't feel like, you know, maybe all of it's on me. I'm going to apologize for my portion. And then I want to look to see how I can serve you moving forward. Yeah, I love that. Joshua, I've really enjoyed our conversation in general, and I know that I have to wrap it. Is there anything like any final comments that you would like to share with our audience as it relates to these mission critical conversations or anything at all? I love that you talked about grace because the world absolutely needs more of it. But what would be some final thoughts that you would want to leave our audience with? 
Well, final thoughts, if you're, this is a leadership focus uh, podcast. And so final thoughts is I want to thank the leaders who are treading out there. This is not an easy environment to lead in. There's so many things going on and, and the line between personal and professional in the workplace has been blended. And so it's calling upon leaders to really increase their skill sets and really increase their, their equipping within the workplace. But I, I will say from our conversation today, grace is a great place to start, number one. And number two, if you would like to kind of have the same conversation Jen and I are having, um, I like to do these things for free. Uh, these are free consults where I like to sit down with leaders, see what they're going on, see what's going on in their world, see, see what, you know, what maybe I can add to them strategically. Uh, so if that's you, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can or you can email me at uh, Joshua at LeeMalvo.com. Uh, my goal is to really, you know, infuse the workplace with more value and grace. So if that's something that you know is near to your heart, uh, reach out. I'd love to connect. I love that. What's your website? LeeMalvo.com. So LeeMalvo.com, Joshua at LeeMalvo, or and on LinkedIn. It's a very unique name, so you won't find too many people associated with it. It's my grandmother's uh, maiden name, by the way. So when you see that woman's face in the logo, that's my grandmother's vector, not not, not a random woman's face I put in my logo. <laughs> I love that, though. Joshua, I love that you... I don't know. You just have a way about you that like can help us have these conversations with a little bit more ease and softness and be sure to be sure to get in touch with Joshua. The link will be provided in the show notes as well in case you need that. Joshua, thank you so much for giving us the time and energy and your expertise and experience to talk about how to have mission critical conversations. I really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I loved the micro framework. I loved the conversation. I also loved the reminder that we need to give people grace. We are all doing our best, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you know someone that could benefit from the framework that Joshua shared, share this episode with them. And of course, if you are interested in developing yourself and developing your leaders, don't hesitate to reach out to Crescom.com and request a complimentary leadership skills building workshop. This is an opportunity for you and your team to come together and learn and grow. Head on over to Crescom.com. There you can request one. And in closing, if you enjoyed this, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time, be kind, everyone.